And so, on the very practical side, I'll normally knock a few doors in their neighborhood, put a few tracks on the doors, and then I'll say, I was in your neighborhood knocking doors. I just happened to stop by your house. Now, they don't know my main purpose was to stop by their house. But I'll always knock a few doors, put a few tracks in, and then I'll go to their door and say, hey, I was just in your neighborhood knocking doors, inviting people. I wanted to stop by. don't want to come in. I just want to take 30 seconds of your time. What have I done? I'm not coming into their house where the kids have gotten everything messed up. I just gave them a time limit. I'm just here for a brief moment. So I'm making a connection with them without pressuring them and making them feel like I'm inviting myself into their home for an extended stay. And so uh, there's some very practical things that you can do, and we're going to go over that. Uh, but I believe your pastor's heart, and I believe our heart ought to be, I'd rather err on the side of following up too much on somebody than letting somebody slip through the cracks that really needs help. Luke chapter 14, Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and he sent his servants at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. How many of you have experienced that before? Uh, you line up people to come to church, and boy, they have the excuses. Uh, the first said, I bought a piece of land, and, and just for sake of time, we're going to skip down to verse 21. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out thou quickly into the streets and lanes, notice streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou commanded, yet there is room. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges. Now, I want you to read the next three verses, three words in that verse with me. Ready? And compel them, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So, uh, for us as Christians, uh, uh, the Lord said, listen, I want you to go out into the streets and lanes, and I want you to bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. Uh, <clears throat> usually, people don't come to most churches when they're on the top side. Usually, what motivates people to start thinking about the things of the Lord, unfortunately... Most human beings don't respond to the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. Most of us need two-by-four Christianity. You know what that is? Uh, the Lord's good to us. We don't see that, so the Lord hits us with a two-by-four right between the eyes. And I know that's not doctrinally sound, but it is good preaching and it'll help you out. Uh, because you'll notice in that parable, he said, the, the blind the maim, and the halt. Usually when people are hurting, they're going to turn to the Lord. And sometimes, because they don't know how to respond correctly, they're going to turn their hurt toward you. So don't take it personally. And so, uh, <clears throat> one thing when I go door knocking, I, I don't take it personally. Uh, we, my, my assistant pastor and I, uh, we go at least five hours a week door knocking, at least. That's a minimum. We have to be out there five hours a week knocking on doors. And you say, Pastor, why do you do that? Because if I don't set a minimum for myself, I'm not going to do it. The busyness of things are going to keep me from doing that. And so uh, we get out there and knock on doors, and, and I tell our folks all the time, don't take it personally. If people are unkind, there's a lot of hurting people out there. But you'll notice in this parable, he not only said to go to the streets and lanes, he said to go to the highways and the hedges. And boy, that's where the rough people lived during the Bible times. That's where the people who had nothing lived. And uh, sometimes the people, uh, how many of you understand we're all judgmental? Let's let's be honest here this morning. We all pass judgment all the time. That's why 
to preface this thing on following up on people, you got to walk with the Lord. Because you just don't know. Uh, I was sharing with your pastor. Uh, we have the RU program in our church. We started that four years ago. We've kept that going. Runs about 20 people on Friday night, 25, sometimes a high of 30 uh, of folks. But we had two ladies come into that who uh, uh, didn't regularly come to our church. They went to a Lutheran church in town, but they had had struggles with addictions. They came to the RU program. Uh, uh, the ladies' husbands started attending our church. And long story short, uh, I didn't realize this, but he had owned five businesses and had two patents on uh, street construction. The senator here in Connecticut, Blumenthal, took him to court. He'd lost his businesses. And uh, long story short, the Lord used that to get him saved. So that's a good thing. And so uh, uh, after he started coming to the church... Her addictive personality, she wanted to go somewhere else. He said, no, we're staying. This is my church. Do you know that that man, I didn't realize it, but that man was reached. uh, His wife was very, how many of you know what the term high maintenance is? Okay. And and we had to put a lot of effort out to to help those folks. I didn't realize her husband was going to come in. I didn't realize her husband was going to give 225000 of our $300,000 building program out of his own pocket. He paid for it. Now, we don't serve the Lord for that. I didn't realize that was going to happen. But when you have that high-maintenance teenager walk in that has that rebellious attitude and they walk like a duck because their pants are around their ankles, and you look at them and say, I, this is not what we're looking for, that's exactly what you're looking for. Those are exactly the people you're looking for. Now, be flexible. If your pastor notices something about someone and says, please don't follow up on them, love your pastor and be flexible enough to listen to what your pastor says. God's given him some wisdom to see things, but there are people, uh, all I'm saying is, in this parable, they were told to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Now, how many of us have ever heard, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? Well, I'm going to add a Pastor Montoro-ism to that. Uh, if you put salt in that horse's oats, he's going to drink the water. The Bible says you and I are the salt and the light. How many of you have visited the lighthouses in Maine? Anybody done that? You go to the lighthouses, take the pictures, you see them on calendars all the time. Why do people do that? Because it's a tourist spot. You're the light. You're the salt. You're, you and I are supposed to draw people in to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor can't draw everybody in. Uh, we're to draw people in. And uh, uh, we're to help people uh, uh, make a difference. Uh, I mentioned Matthew 28 last night. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Can I give you something very practical People that you get into church that the Lord allows you to influence. And by the way, if visitors show up, every single adult teacher ought to be saying, Pastor, could I have that visitor's card? Pastor, could I go visit that couple? And Pastor's going to say, no, I want those. But ask him anyway. Uh, You ought to be saying, hey, I, I want to be the one that the Lord uses to help those people out. And by the way... If they're not a good fit with your class, then you find an adult teacher they are a good fit for. You find someone that does fit their personality. I know you, you're going to be shocked this morning, but there's people that don't like me. Uh, their, their personality, uh, uh, Pastor Chris Teft in, in uh, 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 Plymouth, Massachusetts, tells me all the time, he said, Pastor Montoro, you're a people person, and he's being facetious. Um, there, there are people that your personality, they're just not going to mesh with. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
It's our job as teachers and leaders to get them to somebody they do mesh with. It's our job to help keep everybody. It's our job to keep the people and not let one person fall through the cracks. Uh, Satan's going to take enough people out. I've seen that. You've seen that. Satan's going to destroy some people. And we'll get to the the meat of the message in a minute, but I want you to get the, the heart of the message this morning. The heart of the message is this. Boy, I, I'm not only going to go into the streets and lanes, I'm going to go into the highways and hedges. And I'm going to do the work necessary to get the people. That doesn't mean when bus visitation's over at 1 o'clock, you're done for the day. That means when bus visitation or soul winning's over at 1 o'clock, your work's just starting. You say, well, pastor, I work a full-time job. Can I tell you, one of the churches I worked at in California, I drove uh, tractor trailers for 7-Up, ran a youth group, ran a bus route. The bus route averaged over 100. Youth group went from 20 to 60. I was working 60 hours a week from 3 a.m. till 3 in the afternoon, and then I did church work after that. I know you're busy. I know you have work to do. We all have worked some difficult situations, but there is a higher calling. There's a there a a higher calling for us to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. Now, I tell our church people all the time, I am not the spiritual police force. I'm not going to come and 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 check out what you're watching on TV. Uh, Instead. I want people to understand I love them unconditionally. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep them in church. And so we're going to go over a few things to help us do that, to help us keep a focus on that. Dr. Charles Weigel wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. And boy, if you read the backstory to it, heartbreaking. He was in the ministry. His wife uh, left him. She didn't want to live in the ministry. He lived in uh, a, a Gulf state and actually walked to the end of the dock where he lived and considered throwing himself in the Gulf Coast for a moment, taking his own life because he was at such a low place. He walked back in his house, sat down at the piano and wrote, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Uh, I was in Pasadena, California at... Uh, a Bible conference, and that morning he was able to go out to the Rose Garden. And when he came to the Bible conference that night, the gentleman sitting behind him tapped him on the shoulder and said, Dr. Weigel, I know where you've been. He said, really? He said, yes, you've been to the Rose Gardens because I can smell the aroma of the roses on you. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. If you walk with God and you have the aroma of the grace of God about your life, you can mess up just about everything else and people will still come to church because you're influencing them. You don't need to be the greatest teacher in the world. You don't need to be, listen, uh, uh, so many people are, are worried about whether their outlines are alliterated. They're worried about whether all their mechanics... Now, you need to be sound biblically. If you have questions, see your pastor. Make sure you you follow the, the curriculum. Make sure that you're not adding and taking away. But if you... And I said this last night. If you don't have someone to teach, what's the purpose of all that preparation? Let's make sure that we are prepared. We walk with God. We are praying. We do have a good lesson ready, but if there's nobody there to teach, then it's not profitable. And so, uh, I would suggest if, if I did have more time, and I may mention it in the, the uh, next session, learn to fast and pray. Howbeit this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. There are people that are not going to get saved, aren't going to come to church unless something supernatural happens in their life. And so, that's part of us caring. Do we carry the fragrance of God's grace? Now, to get into the nuts and bolts. Number one in your outline, we need to demonstrate we care. Take your Bible. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 
and let's look at verse 5. We need to demonstrate we care. And listen, if you're teaching a Sunday school class and God blesses you and your class grows beyond your own capabilities, you need to go talk to your pastor, seriously. You need to make sure that that people are helped. Uh, one of the things we did in our Sunday school class, after we uh, uh, after it got above 50 people, we started adding adults that were within the class. Now, first of all, I went to the pastor. Don't 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 leave your pastor blind as a Sunday school teacher. Keep your pastor informed. Hey, pastor, we had uh, a 15 in class and Johnny got saved today. I just wanted you to know that, pastor. Hey, pastor, uh, 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 Bob and Bertha have missed for two weeks. And, and I sent them a note. And I just want you to know I'm following up on them. Do you know that that's a great comfort to your pastor to know that you're, you're following up on people, you're keeping up. First Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in what? Due time. Casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. We need to demonstrate that we care. Uh, how are we going to do that? Uh, very practically, you, when people come into your Sunday school class, get their birthdays and their anniversaries. I get more thank yous every Sunday. Pastor, thank you for the birthday card. Thank you for the anniversary card. I don't send them. Another lady in the church does. And she signs my name and my writing so bad it looks like my handwriting. And uh, But when we first got there, we did do everything. And boy, when you have a Sunday school class, even if it's children's Sunday school class, write them thank you notes. Do you know what it means to a, a child to go out to a mailbox and get a piece of mail? I, I know we live in the digital age. I know everybody likes to text. And, 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 you know, if you're driving down the road, you see people, it's illegal to text in Connecticut, but they still are doing it, are they not? Uh, I hope they get carpal thumb. Uh, but everybody, uh, you, it, it, we can get involved. Don't, don't be so electronically and gadget oriented that you can't take the time to write a personal note. Write a personal note and go by, you don't need to spend the, uh, the money on stamps. Go by their house and leave it on their door. And by the way, get it a candy bar and tape it to the front of that uh, envelope and stick it in their door. That kid will never forget. That adult will not forget. Ask people. Listen to people while you're talking. Caring is listening. Now, caring is not patronizing. Uh, caring is not... Uh, uh, there's a couple of other things we'll get into, but, uh, um, you know, make sure you keep your pastor in the loop. Uh, be responsible for, for people. Boy, if there's something going on in somebody's life in your Sunday school class, let the pastor know why you're showing that you care about that person. Uh, there's going to be people, yes, you want to take as much off of your pastor as you can. No, you do not want to counsel people without your pastor knowing about it. You know, I, I, we, there's a danger in all of this being able to discern the Word of God and a difference in are you qualified to counsel that person. If your pastor deputes you or says go ahead and do that, then by all means do that. Uh, but we need to be careful that we don't go beyond that. We want people to know we care. Where am I going with this? Never, never, never attach people to you personally. Now, people are going to get attached to you personally. That's impossible for them not to. But your number one goal is always to attach people to Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How do I show that I care? 
I show that I care by not attaching people to me. I show that I care by attaching people to Christ. Number two, I show that I care by attaching people to the pastor. You teach your adults to do things to honor your pastor. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I was an assistant pastor for 18 years. And we spent time honoring the pastor. Making sure, why? Because the Bible says he's worthy of double honor. Now, you can read into that anything you want to. And I know a lot of people do, but I will say this. The best way you can show people that you care is by getting them to God and getting them to the man of God and the pastor's wife. Ladies, the ladies in your Sunday school class should not be copying you. You ought to say, there's the pastor's wife. You need to watch her so that your character's like her. Why? Because when you humble yourself, God's the one that's going to lift you up. God's the one that's going to build your Sunday school class. When it's personality-driven, and you say, man, look at all these people, they're following me, then you're going to have a problem. And, we, and, and, and by the way, when you care about people, that can happen, and it hurts when people leave. Brother Morales mentioned that last night. It, it hurts when you invest in people, and they leave. But by the way, Jesus invested in 12 guys... One betrayed him and the other eleven forsook him. Don't you think that hurt the Lord a little bit? But he wasn't looking at the hurt. He was looking at the future. Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. What was the joy? He knew those eleven guys, those eleven scoundrels were going to turn around and turn the world upside down. And so that person uh, uh, that hurt you, you keep caring about them. Not because they deserve it, not because you're, uh, you need to, you do it because, listen, you're investing in eternity. Care about people. Care deeply about people. The people, I found this very true. I didn't when I was early in the ministry, but I found this very true. The people you help the most are the people that are going to hurt you the most. And you're going to find that, if you're teaching an adult class, you're going to find that to be very true. Keep helping them anyway. Keep caring anyway. Keep loving people anyway. Uh, pray for people. Communicate with your pastor. Communicate with people. Hey, there's, there's people. Uh, I have a man in my church right now, owns the local bus company that, uh, public school. He came to me a couple weeks ago and he, he got saved, I think, three or four years ago, got baptized. The guy owns a bus company and he drives the bus for our church right now. He doesn't have to do that. In fact, there's days when he misses, he'll tell one of his drivers, show up and drive the church bus. And, uh, uh, he came to me and said, Pastor, uh, a lot of people uh, uh, say there's nothing wrong with drinking. And I said, well, Dana, let me tell you something. The Word of God teaches us in Proverbs 23, Proverbs 22, Habakkuk chapter 2. There is something wrong with that. And I said, let me sit down. Now, I could have lost him at that moment. But I want to tell you, I care enough about him to tell him the truth. I'm not going to... Keep the truth of the Word of God from people. They need to know the truth. By the way, we have a ex-Connecticut state trooper that uh, attends our church, and and he goes, Pastor, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, he just wants to serve. He's 83 years old. 83 years old. Do you know? Last week he told me, Pastor, I passed out 10 tracks, uh, and and. and uh, just before Thanksgiving last year, he came to me with the same question about alcohol. He said, Pastor, for the last 65 years of my life, every morning I've woke up and had a shot of liquor. He said, since Thanksgiving last year, last year, so it's been over a year, he said, I haven't had one drop of alcohol. Not one. Now, why would a, a, a man like that 
follow what we're teaching in the church. I'll tell you why. Because he knows we love him. Because he knows we care. And he knows that we're going to tell him the truth. And I, you, you tell, tell people the truth in love. Be compassionate about it. Uh, don't, don't, don't slam people. But people, uh, they don't know that you care unless you care enough to tell them the truth. You know, none of you would like to walk into Sunday school tomorrow morning with egg on your tie or egg on your blouse. You'd like somebody to be honest enough to say, hey, uh, are you saving it for later? Uh, you know, you want somebody to, to help you out and care enough to, to, to help you. Number two, we need to demonstrate not only care, and, and care means writing someone, if they miss, listen, if somebody misses one time, send them a text. Hey, I was thinking about you. Don't say, you missed Sunday, and I know you know this, but you missed Sunday school. I just want you to know we missed you. No, I always text people and say, you know what? God put you on my heart this morning. I was praying for you. I just want you to know that God loves you. They know exactly why you sent that text. You know why? Because they'll text me back, Pastor, I missed Sunday because of this, this, and this. And I'll say, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about... They know why you're contacting them. You don't need to tell them that. Make sure you you text them, you call them, leave the note on their door. Number two, we need to demonstrate concern. Take your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Beyond caring about people, the second time somebody misses... Not only uh, uh, call them, text them, let them know you're praying for them. Sit down, and, and I've mentioned this, but write them a personal letter. How many of you get a letter from somebody, uh, say you get a letter from the president, and you read down, and it looks like he actually signed it, and then you see it was an auto sign? How disappointing is that? Uh, as a Christian... Sit down and write people. If your handwriting's bad, print like I do. Print that note out and sign it. Uh, let them know that you're, you're demonstrating concern for them. Verse 9, let us not be weary in what? Well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You see how large of a letter I have what? Written unto you with my own hand. Now, what are we doing? We're demonstrating concern there. If somebody misses a Sunday school for a second time, that's when you shift it into a different gear and you do convey, hey, I've missed you for the last two Sundays. Is there something I can help you with? Is there something I can pray with you about? Is there something that, you know, we could come over and visit? Uh, how many of you have ever said something, thought you said it clearly, but the person that heard you misunderstood what you were saying? How many of you realize that's going to happen when you're teaching? The this most sincerest efforts that you and I, there are people that misunderstand what I preach all the time. It's not my fault. It's, no. It's, listen, if... I tell my uh, youth pastor this all the time. It's not about putting blame on anybody. It's about fixing the problem. And if somebody has a, a, a disagreement, if they uh, uh, disagree with what's being taught, uh, if it's something in a church service, you point them toward the pastor. Say, you know what? I, I love you and I want to help you and the best thing I can do is point you toward the pastor. If it's a concern about something you've taught, don't take it personally. Listen to it and work with the person. Show concern for people. Do you know you can talk past people? Any of you ever gotten so busy that you, the person tells you what they want to communicate and you're already thinking in your head, but I want them to understand what I'm communicating? Shut your mind off, okay? Listen. Concern, caring about people is sending that note. Concern is being humble enough to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to listen. 
do you know that 99% of marriages could be saved if people listened rather than talked past each other? And boy, they can... Uh, 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 when you're reaching people for the Lord, uh, you're going to... When Peter was out fishing after Christ came back and, and uh, Andrew said, Hey, Peter, that's the Lord. Uh, when he brought the fishes in, they said there was 153 fishes. Now, why did God give an exact number? Because God's interested in us reaching as many people as we can. God doesn't put exact numbers in. The, I've heard people say, well, numbers don't matter. Really? Study your Bible sometime. I wish I had the time to go through that. God lists numbers. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. There were 3,000 saved in Acts chapter 2. There were another 5,000 saved in Acts chapter 5. Numbers are not the goal. Being concerned for people is the goal because Jesus stood there with Peter and said, Peter, lovest thou me? And we know the story. I don't need to go through it. But think with me. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times? We know why. Peter denied him three times. Jesus, in his way, was saying, Hey, Peter, I want you to understand, you denied me uh, three times. I want you to admit that three times, because in a couple weeks, you're going to preach and 3,000 people are going to get saved. Isn't that good? The Lord was showing... Now, if I was the Lord, I would say, Peter, you dummy, you just saw that I came back from the dead... You just saw when I stood there in John and, and uh, uh, chapter 20 and Thomas, and I said, Thomas, put your hands, uh, fingers in my hands and thrust your hand in my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And the Lord said, more blessed are they that have not seen yet believed. Boy, when I read that, that's me. I haven't seen those things. Peter saw those things yet The beginning of the next chapter, Peter said, I go fishing. Hey, you're going to have that discouragement come to you in your Sunday school, in your church. They're going to see the Lord. Man, they're going to get saved, they're going to get excited, and then something's going to happen, and they're going to say, I go fishing. That is the moment, instead of getting angry and upset, you need to go in with concern. Peter, why'd you deny me? Three times, feed my sheep. And so we need to make sure that we uh, demonstrate a real concern for people, a real concern for their their uh, uh, what's going on. Uh, very practically, don't 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 send somebody a five-page letter. Keep it sincere and keep it simple. Um, and and. As you teach an adult class, and, and I shared this with your pastor and Pastor Morales, um, you know, when I believe this church is being used of God right now. It has been used of God in the past. I believe your pastor's vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. I believe your pastor's vision now is to take the church to the next level. Now, if you've ever been around a bonfire, everybody enjoys a bonfire, don't they? How many of you understand a bonfire attracts bugs? And as your church grows, it's going to attract all sorts of highway and hedges people. I tell our church folks all the time, if somebody shows up at our church tomorrow morning that has purple spiked hair and looks like their face fell in a tackle box... And uh, they, they show up riding a motorcycle. I said, I want you to ask them to sit beside you personally in church. And I said, I want you to reach out to that person. Do you know why? Because that person is a highway and hedges person. They're crying out for somebody to be concerned about them. Now, they're not going to always react the best. They're not going to always, but I, I will tell you, it will make a difference. It will help your pastor if the adult Sunday school teachers, a visitor walks through the door of this church tomorrow and you all are in the foyer fighting over who they're going to sit with. 
Hey, come sit with me. No, sit with me. And the people are going to go, wow, this is a weird church. Somebody actually wants me to sit with them. I hear this statement more often than anything else in our church. I go to the Catholic church. I don't know anybody there. Nobody asked me to sit with them. I go in. I go out. We do some ritual things. Even if they don't like what I preach and what I say, because they're living totally opposite of that, they'll say, this church cares about me. This church is concerned about me. And so, as a teacher, you want to be concerned about people. You want to go the extra mile, even if they hurt your feelings and say your lesson was boring. Hey, you know what? Not everybody's going to think you're the greatest Sunday school teacher since the invention of peanut butter. Okay? Not everybody's going to think, hey, but everybody ought to think, I've got a great Savior. Man, this this church, uh, we've had people say, literally I've had people come to our church and people say, there's one church in town, if you want to get saved, that's the church to go to. And so, uh, and they don't mean it in a nice way either. Uh, but, but I will say this, your church ought to have a reputation that Jesus is high and lifted up and the people care and they're genuinely concerned with what's going on. Now, here's the flip side of that coin quickly this morning. And I must hasten. Don't pay people's light bills. Don't pay people's gas bills. Don't. Uh, concern is not paying someone's bills. If they have a need, you tell them, go see the pastor. We have a benevolence fund. I'm sure you have something similar. Um, you know, if, if an adult in your Sunday school class says, pray for me, my light bill's ninety-eight, ninety-five. That's not a prayer request. That's asking somebody to pay their bill. Don't, don't correct them in class. But after class, if you're really concerned about everybody in your class, say, hey, do me a favor. If you have a need, you come to me personally, and I'll take it to the pastor. We'll see what we can do. But, but we don't want to take personal needs to the whole class. You know, that's, that's showing concern for the church. That's saying, hey, listen, we want to, we want to help everybody. And some people think, uh, I'm sure Pastor Lejeune gets the same calls I do. I don't get them anymore. Uh, when I first moved to Westfield, I got probably 10, 15 calls the last of every month saying, if you guys are really concerned, you'd help me with your, your bills, you'd help me with this, you'd help me with that. I said, listen, we're an independent Baptist church. We have no denominational help. I said, the very little bit of benevolence we do have goes to members. Now, I'll tell you what, you come and be part of our church. And I said, after a few months, if you're in and you're serving in the church, we'll be glad to help you. Guess what? They stopped calling. I don't get those calls anymore. Uh, I get calls, though, of people, like recently, uh, a, a family with a young teenage boy, and he's still struggling. Drug addiction won't admit that he's struggling with drug addiction. How many of you realize drug addiction's real, no matter where we live? And so, we're going to have to show some concern. And show some concern by saying, hey, I'm not going to go with you to what you're doing, but I'm here for you when you need me. I love you enough to do that. Number three, we need to demonstrate compassion. Of course, Jude, Jude, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. How can I show a, a, a compassion that makes a difference and some having compassion making a difference? Most people will quote that verse, but you're taking it out of context when you just quote the verse and some having compassion making a difference because the verse before it says, stay in the love of God. The only way I can show compassion is if I'm dwelling in the love of God. The only way I can be compassionate toward people is to dwell in the love of God, keeping yourselves in the love of God. And verse 23, and some others saved with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garments spotted by flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding what? Joy. Hey, listen, when you show care, when you show concern, when you show compassion, 
you are going to bring that person to the place that they're going to be able to dwell in the love of God, and they're going to find out it's a real joy to serve God. It's a joy to come on Sunday night. It's a joy to come on Wednesday night. Ah, do I have to go? No, you don't have to go. You get to go. It's not a, a duty. It's not a requirement. It's joy. The difference is, when we show compassion, when you go to the hospital, listen, it's not just the pastor and the assistant pastors that you go to the hospital at midnight. It's the Sunday school teacher. Yeah, oh, come on, pastor. Uh, listen, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not preaching something that I haven't lived. And, and for every single one of us, if that Sunday school uh, class member calls you, compassion is going the extra mile. Uh, compassion is taking your wife and going to the home after the husband got drunk and beat his wife up. And she's been attending church and she's trying to deal with the pressure of raising her children in a home where violence is there. That's real. Compassion is not going over and beating the husband up, even though you're tempted to on occasion. Okay? Compassion is saying, hey, look, we love you. If we can do anything for you. Often, I'll tell families, hey, when church is over, uh, if they've been coming for a few weeks, I'll say, my wife and I would love to take you to lunch. And, and I'll tell you, that, that sometimes the church pays for it, sometimes it comes out of my own pocket. Why? Because I want to spend time with those people outside of church. Find some common interest, compassion. If somebody's missed uh, a one week, <coughs> write them a letter, text them. If they miss two weeks, make sure that you write a personal letter with some detail in it, encouraging them to be back. If they've missed three weeks, go spend some time with them. Walk with them compassionately. Find out what's going on there. Help them out. And, of course, we know the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, we don't have time to go through all of that in Luke. Uh, but the priest passed on the one side, the Levite passed on the other side. The Bible says a Samaritan, while he journeyed, he had a purpose in what he was doing. We need to, as Sunday school teachers and workers, to have a purpose behind what we're doing. That's what's going to keep you in there. That's what's going to keep you going. And of course, what's the Bible say? He put the man on his own donkey. He bound up his wounds. He poured oil in. Oil is always the type of the Holy Spirit, uh, especially in parables. And so what was he doing? He prayed. Uh, as you're getting ready, if you have a Sunday school class, have you already prayed about the future members of that Sunday school class? When pastor gives you the list of people that are already attending, have you prayed by name and need over those people? Compassion more work will be done on your knees than it will be on your feet. If you're not doing the work on your knees, you will not accomplish much on your feet. And we need to understand that demonstrating uh, uh, compassion a lot of times means praying where God intervenes in people. So quickly, number four and lastly, we need to demonstrate confidence. Take your Bible, go to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. Demonstrating confidence. And I uh, agree with the Apostle Paul, we have no confidence in this flesh. I'm not talking about having confidence in the flesh. Our confidence is in the Lord. You look at a... Listen, if I were in your place today and had a Sunday school class, doesn't matter if it's primary, middle-aged, doesn't matter if it's teenagers, adults, when, this, when these things are done today, I would go get in that classroom and pray. This afternoon, Lord, this Sunday school class is starting in three weeks. I want you to fill these seats up. I can't do it, but you can. Who's your confidence in this morning? My confidence is in the Lord. Listen, when I get to church tomorrow morning, do I believe every seat's going to be full? Yes, I do. Will every seat be full? Probably not, but my confidence is in the Lord. 
Charles Spurgeon went to visit one of the pastor uh, boys from his college in England, and, and the church was only half full, and the boy, young man, apologized to uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, said, I'm sorry the crowd's so low, and Charles Spurgeon said, well, you didn't expect the auditorium to be full this morning, did you? And he said, well, really, you're right, I didn't. He said, that's your problem. He said, young man, you ought to pray every day that that auditorium's full. You ought to have your confidence in God that He'll fill it up. And we ought to, as Sunday school teachers and workers in a church, our confidence is in the Lord. Proverbs 21 and verse 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. I want you to focus on verse 22. A wise man or a wise woman scaleth. What do they scale? They scale the city of the mighty. What does Second Corinthians tell us? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hey, listen. You live in a great area of opportunity where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Boy, there's, uh, I'll go back to fishing and hunting. Uh, when I would go bow hunting in Maryland, I went to the same tree stand in the same spot in the same place for six years. Do you know why? Because I killed deer in the same spot in the same tree stand on about the same day every year. Uh, I go fishing where I know the fish are. You're in luck this morning. We don't believe in luck, but you're in luck this morning. You live in a sea of sinners. And so, because we live in a sea of sinners, you can have confidence in God that He'll build your Sunday school class. After you've followed up on a person three or four times, then it's time to put your confidence in God. One of the hardest things to do is know when to say, Lord, I've invested all I can do, all I've done scripturally. I've got to let this person go because there's other people that you've brought across my path to invest in. Now, I have people that I met five years ago when I first went to pastor there. I still call them. I still send them invitations for every big day. I still send them letters. We still get a hold of them. We don't let anybody go, but I'm not going to, after I have followed up three times and they're still not coming, I need to move on to other people that I can help. Is everybody with me there? Excuse me, you check with your pastor before you do that. Say, Pastor, uh, so-and-so, I followed up on uh, this family and this is what I did. I just want to let you know I've continued to follow up. What do you think I ought to do at this point? That text is not, don't monopolize the pastor. And I know you folks are good folks. Don't monopolize the pastor's time after church. Don't go up and say, Pastor, we had 22. Well, there's a bunch of visitors waiting to shake his hand. Text him. Write him a letter, hand it to him after church. Pastor, I've followed up on this family as much as I can. I'm going to turn them over to the Lord. My confidence in the Lord is that they'll come back. Do you want me to take any further action? You know what that's doing? That's letting your pastor know that you're following up. You're, you're following the program. You followed up on them three times. They still haven't come back. It's been four or five weeks. Uh, it's time to say, okay, my confidence is in the Lord. I'm going to turn them over to the Lord. Uh, just trust the Lord to do that. Uh, there was a, I'll finish with this, and of course I mentioned Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Uh, don't forget about that. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, don't, don't, don't manufacture it. Don't, don't fake those things. But if you really love somebody, you care about them, you're concerned about them, you're compassionate, your confidence is in the Lord, you're sitting in front of them and you love them, sometimes tears will come and it makes a difference in that person's life. 
A Sunday school teacher went to an adult man, that a farmer that had been missing church for quite a while, and he said, Pastor, I had a bad harvest, and, and I've really got to get back to work on the farm. He said, uh, that's why I've been missing church. The pastor didn't say anything. And he just went over and sat down beside the fire in the farmer's house. And the farmer thought that was strange, but he went and sat down in the chair opposite the pastor. The pastor looked into his eye, and with a tear running out of his eye, the pastor picked up the poker, went to the fire, and pulled a red-hot coal out, let it sit there. And as another tear escaped the pastor's eye, that red-hot coal went from hot to cold to smoking to gray. The pastor looked at the church member again. The farmer said, Pastor, I understand the sermon. I'll be in church tomorrow. Hey, Christian, it's as much as we like to think and I like to think that we positively affect people, it's God that does the work. We are the human instrumentality. We do need to follow up. We do need to have a regularly scheduled follow-up program. Don't let it become mechanical. And that's difficult to do. But you have to say, by God's grace, I'm going to show care. I'm going to show compassion. Uh, I'm going to show concern. I'm going to go by and leave a letter. I'm going to call them on the phone. I'm going to text them. I'm going to personally visit them. I'm going to go spend some time with them. But then there comes a time where you say, okay, my confidence is in the Lord. I need to just move on to the next person that I can help. Don't forget about them, though. You pray for them every day. Keep them in mind. Send them letters occasionally. Keep inviting them out. We've had families in five years that have left the church, come back to the church, left the church, come back to the church. And they'll all say this. A fellow told me this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he said, Pastor, I've been to almost every other church in Westfield. He said, I keep coming back here because I know this church loves me. And he said, uh, and I, I'm, this is what he said. He said, you teach as close to the Bible as I've heard from anybody in this area. And what was he saying? He was saying, and some having compassion, making a difference. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Word of God. Help each one of us as we prepare and even as we are in the ministry uh, to have a plan of attack to uh, go out and follow up on people, trusting you to help us do that. Lord, give us discernment and direction. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us most of all to have our dependence on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Brother Montoro, for that.